Grace and peace to you in the name of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So today I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a South Bronx girl, born and raised in the South Bronx in New York City in the projects. And in the 1970s, abandoned crumbling buildings and empty lots full of rubble were just a normal sight for me every day on my way to school. It really looked like a war zone, and in a lot of ways it was. Drug abuse and gang violence were always around. Now, there was a man who was homeless in my neighborhood. At least, I think he was because he was always out on the street and hanging out at the bodega on the corner. It seemed that everybody knew his name. His name was Manolo. He was usually really, really drunk. Sometimes he got arrested. But honestly, he never really bothered anybody. He kept to himself. And even in a neighborhood with so much negativity going on, most of the neighbors looked out for him. But he was kind of a ornery kind of guy. And one day, some of the guys in the neighborhood, well, they found him lying beaten and bruised and bleeding on the sidewalk, probably having had an argument with somebody who just didn't have patience that day. And they were a little worried. And they said, hey, Manolo, do you need help? And his reply to them, nah, man, don't worry, I got Medicaid. So although his words might have been a little more colorful than that, but I won't repeat that here. But what fascinated me, even as a kid, about Manolo is that he was so confident in his present state. He knew that there were people looking out for him in the neighborhood. And he trusted that Medicaid would take care of his post-fight needs. You might say that Manolo had faith. I had lots of examples of faith growing up. My family was poor, but somehow my parents always worked hard to make sure that we had everything that we needed. My dad, he worked long hours cleaning and maintaining in the New York Daily News building. And mom, she was a housewife, and she cooked all our meals, and she kept our little apartment in order. So in the middle of this war zone neighborhood, my brothers and I, we had a sanctuary. No matter what was going on out there in the streets, we trusted that once we came home and we shut the door, we were okay. We had faith in the safety of our home. Besides their love and their hard work, the greatest gift that our parents gave us was their faith in God. We were raised Roman Catholic. We were baptized, confessed, communed, confirmed, acolyted, all of the above. And when I was a child, we would regularly attend services. We would go to the English Mass or the Spanish Mass, whatever we had time for. 
And don't forget Midnight Mass for Christmas Eve and Easter Vigil. And one special memory that, that I hold in my heart is of prayer vigils. Um, to me, I think this, this may be a uniquely Latino thing, but whenever someone in the family passed away, all the relatives would gather at someone's house and we would sit and recite the rosary. There was a comfort in that familiarity and the cadence of the words as we recited the Lord's Prayer and the Hail Mary. My relatives had faith that that vigil that we kept was something that was good for our lost loved one and for those that were left behind. This religious upbringing also resulted in, a, in an early sense of call, though I didn't really know how exactly that was going to come about since priests were men and I wasn't. <laughs> and I really couldn't see myself in that nun's habit, so I didn't think that was the path for me. But um, over time, I explored other faith traditions, and I began to see ministry as more of a possibility as I saw people of different genders serving in the church. So then I had faith that I was called and that I could serve. But faith is not always easy. When suffering comes, we can start questioning everything. We can question our belief in God. We can question our beliefs about ourselves. And suddenly things just don't seem quite so clear anymore. I've had my share of sufferings. Despite all the love that surrounded me, all the relatives and, and my parents and my brothers who loved me and just showered me with, with protection, still my childhood was tainted. I was molested at about the age of 10. And from that time, I started to feel ashamed of myself. I thought there had to be something wrong with me if someone could do that to me. I felt worthless. I became depressed. I was depressed to the point of suicidal ideation. I also suffered from my own poor choices and their consequences. I watched my mother suffer from chronic illnesses and eventually she died a very untimely and a very sad and painful death. I've had a failed marriage and I've had and still have in one case strained relationships strained relationships with my children. I've struggled with infertility. I've had three miscarriages. Most recently, in a very short span of years, my husband and I have lost his parents, my dad, and three of our dear friends who were close to our own ages. 
And in that same span of time, both my husband and my oldest brother have been hospitalized for life-threatening conditions. At each of these times, faith was hard. It was really hard. And suddenly I had a harder time believing that God was there with me. I had a harder time believing that I was called to do anything. I had a really hard time trusting that God could really use me to bring good news to other people when I felt like one of those broken piles of rubble that I used to pass by on the way to school. Our reading from Paul tells us to embrace suffering, to even boast in it, because suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Well, I don't know about you, but I know that during times of suffering, I have felt less than able to endure. I have felt highly lacking in character, very short on hope, and plenty, plenty disappointed. So I'm not going to stand here and tell you the things that well-meaning people tell you when you're going through it. When they say, everything happens for a reason, or whatever you're going through, that's just God's plan. Because to me, that, that gives me an image of a, of a cruel puppeteer trying to see, you know, what'll happen if I throw this at them. And I don't think that's who God is at all. But I will tell you that the only way we can boast in our sufferings is through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. We live in a world full of suffering, but God's plan, God's plan was the one that he carried out at Calvary. Paul tells us today, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. It is not a far-off promise. This is our present state of being. We are, we have obtained, we stand right now. We can be confident. We stand and we boast not in our accomplishments and not in our abilities to deal with suffering, which are very lacking, but only in what God himself could do and has done through Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus suffered. He died. And he took with his own body sin and death and the works of the devil, not after we heard the gospel, but before. While we were still enemies of God, while we were still weak and still broken and still far away from God, 
Jesus already secured for us reconciliation with the Father, who proved his love for us through that very cross of Jesus. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. This grace in which we stand, this costly grace that Jesus bought his body, beaten and bruised and bleeding like a common criminal, when we were the criminals, this grace has been given to us. Yes, it is finished. And yet, that is just the beginning for us. Because as Paul says, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. Jesus's present state of being is that he is not dead. He is risen. And alive, he places that same love into our hearts to breathe life into the broken rubble that we feel we are, that we find ourselves in. But this is not for us alone. It is given to us so that we may also share this life-giving, grace-yielding love with others to walk with and speak life to those who suffer. This is what I am called to do. And so are we all, to look out for each other like that violent yet close-knit neighborhood, to stand alongside each other because we are all recipients of this grace, this costly grace in which we stand. Amen.